St. Warburg's Derby. I'm just going to have a quick sit down. Um, I'll be all right. I promise I'll be all right. Um, I don't know if I, I don't. I don't know what. It's that time of year, isn't it? And so I don't know whether my body is 70% water or whether it's 70% chocolate or cheese at this kind of time of the year. It's that time of year where. Um, you have to ask yourself the question, do I need to get out of my pyjamas today? Because you're just not quite certain. I'm sorry, I will get my breath back. I'm just filling at the moment. Um, But it is a new year. And as we start, or soon to be, a new year, and as we get to this time of the year, we kind of perhaps look back over the year that's gone before. And... um, this year was a big year for me personally. I turned 40, and I didn't make too much of a... I let one or two people know. And um, this time last year, the kind of the mantra that kept going through my head was that I needed to get fit for 40. Um, as you can see, that didn't really work. I mean, I got fitter towards my 40th birthday and then tailed off afterwards. Um, there was a kind of peak in the summer period, and then it kind of dropped away as I went back to eating as I like to eat. And so as I start, as we stood here before 2019, and I'm thinking to myself, well, actually, I got fit for 40. Actually, what I really need to do for this next year is stay fit in my 40s. That's the next goal that I need to think about. Um, I have joined a gym. Um, I joined about two months ago. So that has to change if I'm going to get fit. What about you? What, how was 2018 for you? What are the things that you're stood on the cusp of as we head in towards 2019 and you think to yourselves, this is what I need to change? Maybe it's fitness-wise. Maybe you need to eat better. Maybe you need to um, do some more exercise. Maybe it's um, financial. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's getting rid of a bad habit saving some money, whatever it might be. What are the things, as you stand on the cusp of this new year, do you think to yourself, that's my resolution? That's what I want to change about myself this year. Because there's a saying, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always gotten. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. I don't know, 2018, you may be sitting here thinking 2018 was difficult. We had, you know, Brexit negotiations. Our politics is falling into disarray. We've got outside pressures, whether that's financial or relationships or work-wise or ill health or whatever it may be. But the reality is, as we move into this new year, we're still ourselves. We're still us. We carry us, the same person in 2018, into the same person into 2019. What are the choices? What are the behaviors? What are the thought patterns? What are the behaviors that we think, our responses to others, that we think to ourselves, this has got to change? 
If I want to stay fit in my 40s, what's got to change for me is my eating habits. If I keep eating the way I'm going, I am going to be a lump of cheese. I've got to change, otherwise I'll always get the love handles. What is going to change this year? So we ask ourselves maybe, what does the Bible have to say about any of this? What does the Bible teach us about change or training or anything like that? And you'll be pleased to know it has a lot to say. We're going to jump into 1 Timothy chapter 4. So if you've got a Bible with you, um, you might want to open that up. We have a few Bibles at the front here if you need them, or it will come up on the screen um, if you want to read what it says on the screen. But just to give you some background into this letter, this is Paul's letter to Timothy. Um, Timothy was... uh, brought up in a place called Lystra, which is kind of modern-day Turkey. And um, Paul had met him. When Paul had been on one of his missionary journeys, he had met this young man called Timothy. And he had obviously seen something in Timothy. So he thought, I'm going to mentor this guy. I'm going to invest in this guy because this guy's got something. And so he, Paul took Timothy on a couple of his missionary trips. Um, and he spent time with him. He poured his life into him. And he really thought this man was going to become something special. Ephesus. And whilst they were there for a couple of years, they had established the church in Ephesus. They'd moved on. They'd gone around in other, other parts of the kind of Mediterranean and the Middle East, and they'd been to various different places. And then um, Paul, we think by this point, was in prison in Rome. And so Paul had realized that he wasn't going to get back to Ephesus at any point soon. So he sent Timothy as kind of his delegation. He's a young man who he's trained up, he's invested in, he's like, Timothy, you now go. Go to Ephesus. It's about eight years since Paul had been there for the first time. He said, you now go to that place and I want you to lead the church. I want you to do two things primarily. I want you to um, make them aware of some of the false teaching that has come in. I want you to correct the false teaching that people were understanding. And I want you to supervise the affairs of this growing church. The the church is building, it's growing. Help them to work out how to invest in leaders and to develop people and to grow and, and teach them correctly. And so Paul writes Timothy this letter. And so we're going to read from chapter 4, beginning of chapter 4. The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such things come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods, which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God and by prayer. So Paul jumps straight in, straight into this false teaching that is going around. And um, there are a group of people who are saying that you can eat some things and you shouldn't eat other things. It's almost the vegans of our world. I mean, it's not quite... To call vegans false teaching is a little bit rude and not necessarily biblically correct. But I'm just using it for comic effect. But there was this um, 
knowledge. And it was saying that to be, one of the things that they would do is they would separate what was the body, anything that was body, anything that was food, anything that was kind of us-related evil. It's bad. Don't, don't go with those type of things. But if it's spirit, if it's spiritual, that's good. They've separated the two. And Paul was saying, don't allow that to be the teaching of the church. That is not what is right. Because if food comes from God, what is given to us from God, if we receive it with thanksgiving, if we receive it with prayer, and we can eat whatever we want to eat. All food and creation is good and ought to be received as a blessing with thanksgiving. So that's the first thing. Paul jumps, uh, Timothy jumps straight into that kind of, okay, this is what I need to hear from Paul. This is the teaching I need to do. And then he goes on. Paul says, if you point these things out to brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourselves to be godly. And here comes the line that I think people like me like to hear. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for this life, both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is saviour of all people, and especially of those who believe. Physical training has some value. If you ever want a biblical cop-out for ever doing exercise ever again, you can say, well, physical training only has some value. Sure, it has some. We all know that. We understand what physical training is good for. But godliness has value for this life and the life to come. Training that has all value. Training to be like God. So what does that mean? How do we train ourselves to become more like God? What does this transformed life look like? Well, it looks ultimately like Jesus. We often think, don't we, that we... um, the good news about Jesus, that we, we are loved, we are accepted, we shown grace, we are, and that's it. And God meets us where we are, which is absolutely true. But he doesn't leave us there. God wants to change us so that our choices, our decisions, our responses, our behaviors, our habits aren't like what they used to be. We don't carry that forward with us. We become someone different. We want to look like and be like Jesus. I was given for Christmas quite a few books, which is great. Really excited. I've read the front cover, and on most of them I think I've even read the back page, which tells me the synopsis. Okay? What a great gift. I'm really excited about the books that I've been given. But I now actually have to go read them. Otherwise, they just become things that sit on my shelves that collect dust. And no one needs more things that collect dust. We actually have to use the gifts that we've been given. Maybe you've been given some trainers or a running machine or a rowing machine or you've been given a gym pass or you've been given something. Those things will only have any value if you actually use them. We celebrated at Christmas the gift 
of the birth of Jesus. The gift given to us. The Son of God came to earth so that we may know him, that we may receive forgiveness, that we may have eternal life. Now we get to to put it into action, to see our lives changed. So we train in godliness. As a sports fan, I um, often watch, well, I watch all sorts of sport. If I was given my way, I'd be watching sport pretty much every day, all day. But I'm amazed when these top sports people are able to, to do what they need to do under pressure. In particular, golfers. I don't, I, I don't understand. I mean, when I hit one of those stupid little white balls, it never goes in the direction I want it to go. But yet when they have millions of pounds riding on it, they're able to stand over the putt with all sorts of pressure, viewers from around the world, and they're able to sink the putt that is before them. How? Because they train for it. They do it day in, day out. They repeat the motion. They they get the muscle memory so that they can just stand up, trust their training, and do what is needed to be done. We are called to train in godliness. We're not called to suddenly be like Jesus just because we've um, been to a Christmas service and suddenly it's all changed and everything's different. But we are called to train in the small things so that we can trust ourselves when it gets to the big moments when the pressure is really on. How do, we get, how do we know that we're going to make the right choice? How do we know that we're going to be loving? How do we know that we're going to be forgiving and gracious when, it, when the pressure is really on? Because we can train for it. Trust our tre- technique. But of course, training is hard work. When we do training, people, the sports people out there who know, or musicians or whoever it might be, when you're training, you'll know that there's just hours and hours of repetition. Hours of putting in the effort of doing a little bit more than just 14 press-ups. It takes discipline. Daily effort. Paul talks about the fact that he labors and strives. This is not a once-off given thing. So Paul carries on in his letter to Timothy, and he writes this, and he tells us what this godliness might look like. Verse 11, command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example in love, in faith, and in purity. This is what it looks like. That's what godliness looks like. Speech, conduct, love, faith, purity. These are the things that we get to train ourselves in. And then Paul writes this. This is the how we do it. Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching, Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy, when the body of elders laid their hands on you. How do we train ourselves? First and foremost, it's about reading God's word. It's a daily discipline of reading the Bible, day in, day out. Pick the book up, open it, read it. And of course, there'll be bits of the Bible which we read and we go, I don't understand that. There'll be bits of the Bible which we read which we think, that's too confusing, I don't understand it. But there'll be other bits that will start to just seep into you. 
as you train, as you trust the exercise of reading the word of God and allowing it to speak into your life. Paul goes on to talk about the fact that there's prophecy and there's gifts, that there's this, this sense that God has spoken over, uh, over Timothy. So not only do we read what the word of God is, but we pray. We pray, we listen to God, we pour out our hearts to God and we ask him to speak into our lives. But there's two things that I think is fascinating in this. Firstly is the physical, personal discipline. If you want to train yourself to be godly, you have to do this day in, day out, on your own. Feed yourself, feed your relationship with Jesus, connect with him. But also do it corporately. Devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture. Do not neglect the gift which was given you through prophecy. The body of elders laid their hands on you. We get to do this in community. We get to do this together. It's not just an individual piece, but it is a communal piece. This is how we train together. And then verse 15. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. This is how we train together, fully devoted. We don't just give up after a week of a New Year's resolution, but we give our whole lives to train and become more like Jesus. So practically, how do we do it? Well, I'd love to encourage you to do a few things this year if you have never done them before or to continue them if you are already doing them. First one is to read the Bible this year. Um, the Bible in one year, Nikki Gumbel and, and Pippa, they, uh, it's a brilliant, brilliant app. An opportunity to read through an Old Testament, either a Psalm or a Proverb and a New Testament each day in a short little chunk. You can uh, download the app. You can, um, you can even listen to it. You can listen to Nikki and Pippa uh, reading through their notes that they want to tell you about it. You can listen to David Suchet, the original Poirot, um, uh, read out the Bible to you. So you don't even have to read it. You can just listen to it. Download the app, plug it into your car, do whatever you need to do on your way to work or not. It's allowing scripture to form you and to shape you. Join a Werbs group. How we do this community piece here at St. Werbergs, we are a growing church. There's lots of people around. We can't possibly know everyone. And with a vision to be an authentic community, to have that authentic community, we need to get to know one another in smaller groups. And so can I encourage you this year to get into a Werbs group. All the information about our groups are going to be up online by the end of this week. So look at our website, stwderby.org, and all the information will be on there. Gather together with 10 or 12 other people. And this year, uh, this term, um, we're going to be studying the book of Philippians through this term. Um, and so we're going to do that as a words group. There's going to be about six or seven words groups that specifically follow the sermon series and read the book of Philippians together. If you struggle to read this on your own, do the training individually. Join a group and train with others. One of the things I'm going to try and do this year because I, I like setting myself shorter-term goals. I can't, when, I, when it looks like a whole year before me, I kind of lose, the, as a, you know, fit for 40. I got up to May because I had to run a half marathon, and then, I, and then I lost it after that. I'm going to set a short-term goal. As we go through the book of Philippians, I want to memorize, memorize the book of Philippians. Who's up for joining me on that? I 
I've got one, one taker. Let's do it. This will be, this will be amazing. Let's, let's go for this. If, because what an amazing opportunity to read a book, to keep going over it, to keep going over it, to learn it, to memorize it, to get it into us, to kind of seep into us so that we have allow the word of God to shape and to change us. Maybe that's too much to do the whole book of Philippians. We'll therefore take cha- uh, Philippians chapter 2, the amazing uh, prayer, poem about who God is. Take a passage and learn it and memorize it. Commit to a words group. Commit to church. We live in a world now where it's so easy to, to perhaps not come to church every Sunday. We have all sorts of different things that put pressure on us, seeing fat friends and family and football clubs and various other things. But if we're going to train ourselves to be godly, if we're going to commit to that kind of group, then we need to commit to being in church week by week, to worship collectively together, to hear God's word opened and read to us, and to pray together. There are all sorts of things you can do to continue to train yourself. Pray, pray, and pray. And then Paul finishes this chapter with this last verse. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourselves and your hearers. We have a mission statement here. For those of you who've been part of Words who know this. To build an authentic community which is Christ-centered that plays our part in transforming the city and beyond. And I reckon it's almost lifted out of verse 16. As we gather together, as we train ourselves to be godly, we benefit. We form that authentic community, not just a group of people who are real and open with one another, but an authentic community that says we are Christ-centered and we're going to do everything we can to commit our whole lives, to be disciplined towards, to be training ourselves towards godliness. Because as we change... As we are transformed, the city around us will be transformed. If I go to the gym, and I am going to go to the gym this year, who benefits? Me? Maybe my family, because I'm a little bit fitter. I get to play with the girls a little bit longer. But that's about it. But if I train in godliness, if my speech conduct, love, faith, and purity grows. If I become more like Jesus in those things, then it's not just me who benefits. It's everybody who benefits. My neighbors, my colleagues, my sports mates, whoever it may be, because they will see something different in me. That's just me. What about for all of us? If we as a church a community of believers, all committed and headed towards godliness, this city would start to be transformed, not just here, but beyond us. So may you, as we head into 2019, think about what's next. Think about the year ahead and commit your whole life to train and to aim towards being more like Jesus. Can I invite you to stand?